Here we go. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss heart rate variability or how measuring for reduced variability can be used as a clinical or diagnostic tool to predict the onset of disease. With me to discuss this promising, actually fascinating research is University of Colorado's Assistant Professor James Palmer. Welcome, Jim. Hi, David. Thanks for the the opportunity to talk about this really interesting uh, subject. Great, great. Thank you again. On background, let me note the following. The science of complex systems have been a subject of study for five decades. What it teaches fundamentally is that uncertainty is a given, that is, infinite knowledge of the present still cannot predict the future. What this means in healthcare is accepting uncertainty or variation in tracking or tracking variation in biological functioning paradoxically can actually reduce uncertainty. Here's one example. Tracking or monitoring heart rate variability among infants in neonatal intensive care showed that the decline in heart rate variation or complexity was the indication of the onset of sepsis, a leading killer among premature babies. One randomized control trial showed using the decline in heart rate variation as an indicator to treat neonatal sepsis reduced neonatal deaths by 20%. So let me again, this is a little bit tough to uh, swallow possibly, so let me just repeat again my opening. What this means in healthcare is accepting uncertainty or variation or tracking variation in biological functioning paradoxically can actually reduce uncertainty. So again, uh, Jim Palmer is here to discuss the subject, and I'll note lastly, um, as always, his bio is posted on the website, and his comments are his own. So Jim, let me begin by asking the basic question. Can you briefly explain the science behind or what explains heart rate variability or variability more generally in biological functioning? Well, <clears throat> David, thanks for the good introduction to the, the topic. And uh, one uh, phrase uh, to mem- remember what's going on here that I use is that um, variability is viability. So for um, humans and other organisms, variability um, and viability are like twins, and they're, they're always coordinated uh, dynamically. So we can think about for um, persons how we are in constantly changing uh, context. Uh, that could be the weather, it could be social interactions, uh, the work we're trying to do, and those um, are always changing. The changes have to be, we have to be capable as organisms or as we say embodied persons, we have to be able to respond to those changes of context uh, inside our body, outside our body, our interactions with other persons, creatures, the environment. We have to be able to respond to that uh, as an organism, as a person. We have to do it very integrated, uh, coherent manner. So now we can think about when variability of the body physiologically or psychologically is lost, that's going to impact our viability uh, to live. Okay, so the greater variation, um, that's an indication of a healthier or healthy state. Would that be correct? Um, it, so uh, 
basically yes, but the variability has to be um, useful for the context. So you you don't want, uh, in a sense, too much variability or too little, mm -hmm. but a variability that can be uh, invoked by the body uh, easily and made appropriate to the context. So you want your heart to be able to change dynamically as you stand up, go upstairs, sit down, walk outside, exercise, but you want that to be appropriate. You don't want the heart to be too variable and or as like for example would happen with chronic heart failure to be too orderly. Okay. You have to have a dynamic balance. Okay. So with that as sort of the background or the theory, let me ask uh more specifically, what are the clinical or healthcare applications for this research? Well, uh, the very interesting thing about this is when we start from the basic principle of, of variability in physiology and psychology being important, then we can think about how that ranges, the possibilities range across the spectrum of topics in in healthcare. So we can think in physiological terms, one of the measures that's been looked at the most over the last uh, 25 years now is um, heart rate dynamics, the variability of that, and how um, too low a variability, dysfunctional uh, level of variability in heart rate um, is a general marker of mortality. Uh, dysfunctional heart rate variability has been assessed in multiple kind of um, diseases and topics. Uh, ranging from um, veterans uh, returning with polytrauma and PTSD um, to patients with uh, autoimmune issues like rheumatoid arthritis or to uh, cardiac patients, as I mentioned, with um, chronic heart failure or other heart issues. It's a very useful indicator. Psychologically, we can think about loss of variability as being indicated by Depression, for example, would be an indication, or PTSD, where the responses, the bodies, if a person with PTSD responds to a situation, their body may be doing what they're commanding it to do, to jump behind something, but they're doing it in a in a way that's not really relevant to the environment. They've mistaken some signal that has caused a return to the trauma they experienced, and they're responding. So. Variability is quite interesting. It's useful across the spectrum. Okay, interesting. Let's go then specifically to your research. Um, we actually just talked about work in uh, leukemia, but uh, I wanted to ask you about your work regarding uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD. Uh, what are you attempting to do here, or why uh, COPD specifically, um, and how will measuring heart rate um, prove um, helpful or beneficial for these patients? Yes, we're uh, <clears throat> conducting a, a project, um, and uh, it's funded generously by the uh, Walter and Lucian Driscoll Foundation of Chicago. We're conducting a project to test and develop the use of variability in heart rate dynamics and some other measures to uh, see if we can provide earlier detection and diagnosis of attacks, also called exacerbations of the uh, illness for the COPD patient. Such attacks usually have their sources bacteria, viral, or both. And by using uh, 
what people are calling mHealth, mobile health technology, of wearable bioharness and smartphone, will be able to monitor patients remotely from their home. Um, a benefit of this would be to uh, early the earlier detection should lead to ability to intervene earlier with the patient. 750,000 hospitalizations occur each year for COPD in the U.S. Most of that involves exacerbations, so there's some important issues we'll be able to address with this uh, as a biomarker should we be able to, to show it uh, it does indeed work. So fundamentally, it's COPD because it's a high cost of the healthcare system. Um, it's it's a major cause, as you noted, for hospitalization and rehospitalization. So just so I'm clear, basically the way this will work is you monitor their heart rate, you look for some change in the variation, and then what? Um, well, so uh, data comes back to us. We simply collect data from the patient. The data uh, comes back to us uh, in a secure way. We do a statistical analysis on that. And then our hope in the future is that in daily clinical practice, we would create uh, thresholds to monitor for the amount of change, the direction, uh, duration of change, et cetera, in heart rate and a couple other dynamics that earlier uh, information would uh, generate a signal to the care team, and then that provides an opportunity to call the patient, ask what's going on. Uh, have them come in if they can, or if needed, perhaps send someone to uh, visit with them, make sure what's going on, and then uh, take appropriate action for that patient to, to minimize the effect of the attack and how long it might last. That's the, the goals we have for uh, clinical intervention with this, which would be a trial to follow on to the, the validation stage of our work. So, so the idea then is you monitor the heart rate, Mm -hmm. And um, by noting changes in the variation thereof, you can more earlier or more readily detect um, onset, or as you said, uh, or phrase otherwise, exacerbation. So that, again, is um, the ultimate goal here is earlier detection. Right. And the key to that earlier detection in this and many other cases in the general topic is that... Um, in a dynamic system, such as within the body as a whole or different aspects of the human organism, uh, variability, uh, the dynamics of the variability, how the change is actually happening will indicate to you earlier um, what's going on with the patient status versus waiting for some threshold to be reached, like is the temperature at a certain level, respiratory rate, heart rate at certain levels as are current prediction rules, clinical prediction rules for sepsis onset, for example. Variability tells us earlier uh, what's happening to the dynamics of the person's body. Okay. And you've termed this um, the use of complexity in um, identifying, again, uh, uh, onset of acute illness. You did mention, too, though, sort of more generally the applications, but let me go back to that. So um, play out this COPD research. So if this should prove um, uh, successful, um, what, does this, what are the larger implications then uh, for this work? You did mention how it can apply to various other uh, disease conditions. Um, um, you, you did not mention, but I also know, too, it's applicable for potentially uh, Parkinson's. 
patients or patients with you know other neurological diseases. But play this out for me. Uh, say your research proves successful. Um, what would be next then? Um, there are uh, several directions. One is uh, to think about other settings, uh, other uh, patient contexts where we want to know about the onset of infection. So, and since I did mention leukemia, mm. yeah. and you did recently uh, begin work on that subject area. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about that. Well, for uh, transplant patients, uh, for example, uh, in bone marrow transplant, we are we are at early stages of designing some work in this area for bone marrow transplant patients. Uh, infection becomes a very serious issue with a very high 80-90% probability of sepsis occurring in such patients after the transplant. Um, the concept and technology we're using for and analytics are very important in this, the dynamic analytics that we're using to detect earlier and diagnose earlier uh, presence of infection in a COPD patient, we, we can um, transfer into, translate into other practice, uh, the same set of ideas and analytics to look for uh, infection in sepsis patients, just as I think you mentioned at the start of our conversation. Uh, With neonatals, yeah. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, this, it's the same idea, though in this case it's applied to uh, leukemia patients who undergo bone marrow transplants. That's right. And there are two other aspects that will be quite variability. The Quite, quite important. The variability um, uh, occurs in the human organism. It has to be done in an integrated and coherent way. So integrated, the body's playing together what it needs to do the task at hand. Coherent, it's um, in an appropriate, relevant way to the overall task that's being done. Um, what that points to, for example, would be putting together multidimensional indexes of variability of the patient status. So you're looking at several markers. That could be heart rate, temperature, and respiratory uh, in a transplant patient to help alert us to the onset of infection. So we'd have several markers and be thinking about the markers individually, but also how integrated and coherent um, does that uh, multidimensional index, uh, what does that tell us about what's going on with the body? So I have to ask you this, Jim. This is a, certainly, a, in many ways, a different paradigm. Yes. So the, the, the accepted paradigm is more of a one of um, you want an absolute number or rate. Mm -hmm. um, it's you know, health is homeostasis. Here we're talking uh, very differently. We're talking about uh, understanding uh, what vi what the variation is, not what the absolute number is, and we're we're appreciating or better appreciating uh, the fact that the system is dynamic and again it's not stable. So with 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 that as 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 the case, what's been your um, experience relative to how? The clinicians with whom you work or are trying to work, what's their acceptance? What's their, uh, how do they receive this approach? Um, well, I, I think the approach, um, once explained uh, about variability, for example, of uh, heart rate dynamics and how that applies in many circumstances, uh, and that uh, the technology, either in clinic or remotely, is available to monitor variability of a number of uh, physiological measures, 
and then we have improved analytics that do the dynamic analysis. Uh, with that idea, I, I find a very positive reception, and so I'm in discussions currently, and we're about to start a couple of small pilots uh, to watch patients in critical care in a healthcare system and to use these markers of variability both on presentation. Uh, for example, you could look at chest pain presentation in the ED, and, and heart rate variability has been used to understand uh, the possible progression or presence of serious uh, issues there, or to look um, in uh, patients for recovery to see how variability is improving. So we talked about how variability in its loss can indicate the onset of disease. So you equally think about if you're watching important measures of variability, heart, temperature, respiratory rate, uh, others, uh, that the improvement of variability the improvement back to an appropriate dynamic range of variability helps indicate recovery, responsiveness to treatment, et cetera. So there's quite a lot of excitement in people I talk to about that in healthcare. Okay, interesting. Let me just uh, ask a, a, a summary question here. Then. Yes. So your projects currently are COPD, uh, leukemia. You did mention uh, um, the approach out on the recovery side, not on the onset or exacerbation side. So with all that, um, let me ask you to sort of forecast, where do you see this um, going over the next three to five years? I mean, what might the industry more broadly expect or how, they, how might the industry more broadly benefit? Well, uh, I think by um, understanding that there is a lot of uh, accumulated evidence um, sort of uh, topic by topic as we bring together that existing research about variability with some unifying concepts and structures, uh, we'll be able to readily find multiple applications for improving clinical care and its quality, reducing costs, reducing patient suffering. Um, I think there's lots of op exciting opportunities uh, uh, for this. And... Um, it will require uh, a bit of learning curve, but I think it goes pretty fast in my experience because it's it's very intuitive understanding goes with this, or it it goes along with the existing uh, clinical understanding of practitioners. There's also a lot of complementary research to this. So I think you mentioned homeostasis, the field of allostasis, and it can look for that topic is understanding uh, how variability of the body is essential in moving dynamically versus the uh, older idea of homeostasis where you're trying to hold on to one essential balance. Allostasis talks about dynamic balancing, and, it, and it's highly complementary to uh, the research I'm talking about. Okay, great, Jim. So with that, uh, we're at our, say later, time boundary, but I genuinely appreciate your time in this introduction uh, to this approach to improved uh, treatment to reduce, of course, again, uh, disease onset. Um, so with that, uh, thank you again. Let's maybe talk again in the, in the future and see how this has evolved. That would be great, David. Thanks so much for the opportunity and for the attention of your listeners. Thank you.